1: This is asked and answered questions with Tom Upferman and Steelers digest editor, Bob Labriola
0: labs. The combine is this week. It's the greatest TV spectacle known to man. It's like the Olympics, although even worse because they don't hand out medals really at the end of these events. Uh, you get to see people run really fast. You get to see them lift a lot of weight. It's just incredible.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it, um, you know, it, it, it's again, uh, kudos to the NFL for creating a, a TV event out of um, really a, a nothing kind of thing <clears throat> because you know the, the thing about the combine is and you know draft experts and I use that in uh, you know quotes a uh, lot of fans they get all excited about results from the combine but what everybody should understand is is not only is it like the underwear Olympics <laughs> but these players a lot of them I mean they're, they're not stupid they will specifically they'll, they'll do like because a lot of the combine stuff is it's either speed related or strength related if you would have to categorize it into two things. And so what the what the players do a lot of times is they will split it up between their uh, between the combine and their pro day as to what they do. like for example, there might be guys at the combine this week who only are going to run. Okay. Because for the last month or so, they've been training to run. And then at their pro day, which is in like another month, they'll do all the the strength things because now they've been training for the last month specifically for the strength things. And then they're able to put up these really nice numbers, but you know, they're kind of like false numbers because you can't do that. You know, you have to train for everything as a football player, both strength and speed. And so, you know, a lot of times the the results that the draft experts and fans get all excited about are artificially inflated, you know, by people taking advantage of the system, which, you know, (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that. Um, One of the people who really took advantage of the system you know, it was Deion Sanders, and he was coming out for the NFL in 1989. So, Carnell Lake, who also, um, you know, was a pretty famous Steelers defensive back, right. was coming out for the draft in 1989, too. Now, Lake um, played linebacker at UCLA, and so he, he was telling me the story of his combine. <clears throat> he actually worked out both with the linebackers and the defensive backs because, you know, he's trying to market himself for a uh, job in professional football. So Lake said, you know, he did all the linebacker stuff. And then later that day, that same day, a lot of that stuff happened in the morning. Then later that day, the, the defensive backs were running. So, you know, Lake said he was pretty tired and a little bit sore and everything. And, you know, the big, um, marquee 40 yard dash was going to be deon sanders okay so like <laughs> says he happens to be in the group that sanders was in for the 40 yard dash and the defensive backs he said so they're getting ready and you know Dion's loosening up like he's preparing for an olympic race you know so he runs the Dion runs the 40 and they were handheld stopwatches at the time right so it's not like it is now with electronic timing. So Dion's times were listed anywhere between 419 and 427 huh. in the 40. Okay. So Dion Dion runs the 40. Cardinal Lake says he hits the tape, looks at his time, and just keeps on going. He runs right through the uh, the down the rest of the field, out the tunnel hits the door goes outside there's a limo there waiting for him he jumps in the limo the limo takes him to the airport and he leaves indianapolis <laughs> so that was quite the uh you know you talking about theater um dion has a uh, always did have a flair for the dramatic <laughs>
0: And a 4-1 to 4-2 40 times is, is just an absurdly quick. But like you said, he was training like he was running for a gold medal in the Olympics as opposed to training to be a defensive back in the NFL.
1: Right. And, you know, all the other things he just didn't do, like yeah, the like weightlifting. The- <laughs> you know, he just, no, I'm not doing the that. box that, cone
0: drill, know. none of
1: that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like I said, it's, um, you know, Dion knew how to make money. And... um You know, he showed everybody he could run. He was, what, the third or fourth pick of the draft, whatever it was. I don't even remember. Very high. Um, You know, so worked out for him. Made a lot of money. Still making a lot of money.
0: Well, if you do want to watch the NFL Combine, I believe it's on NFL Network all week long. And we also have a lot of our crew from Steelers Nation Radio out at Indianapolis. So we got coverage all day long on SNR for you to tune into. Before we get to the questions, though, today, Labs, it's a pretty significant anniversary in Steelers Nation, isn't it?
1: Yeah, February 27th. You know, it's a little bit of a now it's 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 a it can be viewed as a, um, you know, celebration more than a, you know, a morning, but Mm -hmm. on February 27th, 2008, Myron Cope died. Um, he was 79 years old. I don't think I need to say anything more, uh, than Myron Cope, um, for Steelers fans to certainly know who I'm referring to. Um, you know, good guy, very good at his job. Uh, and what truly people, uh, have a tendency to remember him for his shtick on the radio and stuff. But Myron Cope, one, uh, was a very, very accomplished writer, freelance writer at a time where you could make money, uh, as a freelance magazine writer. Uh, and Myron Cope at one 1.1, uh, the Randolph Hearst award, um, which, you know, was also given to a guy named Mark Twain. So, um, <laughs> Myron knew his way around a typewriter too.
0: No doubt. Myron Cope, I mean, he lives forever. His name is on the terrible twirl that 60,000 people twirl every Sunday at the stadium. Yes.
1: And uh, all that, you know, he turned over the rights um, to the Allegheny uh, School for, you know, disadvantaged children. And, um, you know, that school does a lot of good work uh, and they do very well. Uh, Thanks to Myron's generosity with the rights to the terrible towel.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Like you said, a, a man in Steelers history who is truly celebrated by all of Steelers nation. Let's get to today's batch of questions. And we start with Sam McCall from Bethesda, Maryland. And of course, it's a quarterback question. Why would I be surprised? With the release of Mitch Trubisky, the Steelers only have Kenny Pickett on the roster at quarterback. If they plan to go to training camp with four quarterbacks, they will need at least two more arms if Mason Rudolph is resigned. My thinking is they will probably acquire a veteran quarterback and draft a quarterback. How do you see the quarterback room filling out?
1: Um, you know, uh, the uh, Kenny Pickett right now is the only quarterback under contract and for the Steelers, and he's under contract for the next two years, okay? So as Sam uh, says in his uh, submission, if Mason Rudolph is resigned, then the Steelers would need two more. To get to training camp with four i'm good at that math it's 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 easy i'm, I'm you know, struggling back it. here
0: to keep track so i trust you
1: <laughs> okay um okay so they under the the scenario that sam proposes um they, they would have two they want four uh, i think it's highly unlikely they would draft two quarterbacks mm-hmm. spend two draft picks on quarterback and it's just unlikely in my opinion that they would Commit the salary cap space to add two veterans, so I think it's pretty logical at this stage, anyway, um, under the scenario that the Steelers would sign one and draft one to get from two to four, if they re-sign Mason Rudolph.
0: Jason Praster from San Antonio, Texas: How much will it cost the Steelers in dead money for releasing Mitch Trubisky?
1: Uh, the dead cap charge to the st- or the dead money charge to the Steelers cap. Uh, for cutting Mitch is $4.6 million.
0: Burton Harris from Greensburg, Pennsylvania. With Arthur Smith getting the offensive coordinator job, will he have a voice as to who will be the starting quarterback, or does Mike Tomlin pick him by himself?
1: Um, You know, this is, it's the NFL. You know, head coaches make all of the significant decisions. Um, So the short answer is yes um or excuse me the short answer is mike tomlin will pick the starting quarterback now by himself you know uh the head coach is always paying very close attention to what's going on and i would imagine it's specifically uh paying close attention you know to the quarterbacks if there is in fact a situation where you know a change needs to be made or he the, the coach is mm-hmm. thinking about uh, making a change. You, know, you can go all the way back to Chuck Knoll. You know, Knoll picked the starting quarterback. Knoll benched Terry Bradshaw in 1974 for Joe <laughs> Gillum and then Terry Hanratty. Knoll went back to Bradshaw when he lost faith in Joe Gillum and Terry Hanratty. Move on to the next coach. Bill Cowher picked Neil O'Donnell to be the starting quarterback in 1992. Still with Cower, he he's the guy who picked Jim Miller to open the nineteen ninety six season as a starter after a three way competition with Cordell Stewart and Mike Tomzak. After O'Donnell left as a free agent, it was Cower who benched Miller after the first half of that ninety six opener and replaced him with Tomzak. Cower decided to bench Cordell Stewart in the fourth game of the two thousand and two season and go with Tommy Maddox. It was Cowher who decided to open the 2000 season with Kent Graham as the starter. So, you know, as I said earlier, um, it's always the head coach's decision when it comes to the starting quarterback. And in my experience, it's always the head coach's decision as to who anyone uh, is either in the starting lineup, pulled from the starting lineup, uh, moved from one spot position to another in the starting lineup, Uh, it's the NFL, the head coach um, is responsible for all of that stuff.
0: Mike Preble from Baldwinsville, New York. Looking at the quality of quarterbacks in the AFC, the Steelers are lacking horribly at this position. Is there any talk of getting someone else to fill that gap? Why haven't we been talking about that labs? That's a really good point.
1: (laughs) I don't know. i you know, uh, Mike, I'm sorry. If, if we haven't been talking enough about quarterbacks, it's Tom's fault. I'll give I'll give you his cell phone number. He likes phone calls uh late at night because that's when he does his best work.
0: Yep, eleven PM and after the better.
1: Harold Young <laughs> or, or whatever whenever young Lucas is uh finally goes to second he goes to sleep, <laughs> yes.
0: Harold Young from Bonnie Lake, Washington. Now that Presley Harvin the third has been released, who do you speculate would be Chris Boswell's
1: holder? Um, you know, again, this is the NFL and the way it works is the place kickers holder is the punter. That's, I mean, it used to be quarterbacks. Yeah, backup quarterbacks. I get all that. Okay. But not anymore because then the way, the reason it's like that is, um, it makes for efficient practice when all the specialists can work together. You don't want to be committing your backup quarterback to special teams, drills, or you know um individual work or that kind of stuff when you need your your backup quarterback to be working on quarterback drills and skill set uh drill work and that kind of stuff so um whoever the Steelers punter is in 2024 he's going to be Chris Boswell's holder and um you know that's going to be a component of the job it is so whoever it is if he can't managed to catch a long snap and get it on the ground, he's not going to be the punter. I'm not saying that's you know the only thing that they consider when picking the punter, but it, that, that's the way it is now. Um, so if you're an NFL punter, uh, you better be a holder if you want to stay an NFL punter.
0: Yeah, and colleges have really picked up on that trend, too. You'll see all the colleges use their punter as well. So they, they should be ready by the time they get to the NFL.
1: Well, and colleges need to have backup yeah, quarterbacks ready, you, too. I you mean, know, when you described that
0: reasoning, that was surprising to me that backup quarterbacks held as long as they did in the NFL. Like, you'd think that would be a no-go forever.
1: Yeah, um, sometimes, you know, things are slow, you know, to, to evolve or you know, to be developed and accepted. But yeah, that's been the rule now for quite a while.
0: Andrew Sherbick from Portsmouth, Virginia. It was good to see Cam Hayward finally win the Walter Payton man of the year award, a well-deserved honor. What is the criteria to be nominated and also to win the award?
1: Okay. So each year, each team nominates its um, contender for the Walter Payton man of the year award. And um, according to the verbiage or how each team picks that player, uh, they're told to nominate, quote, one player who has had a significant positive impact on his community. Okay? So then each team nominates somebody. So you have 32 people going for the award every year. Then it's voted on. And the, uh, the voting body includes whoever the commissioner of the NFL is right now. That would be Roger Goodell. Okay? Then also voting. Is Connie Payton, who is Walter Payton's widow, um, the previous year's winner, always gets a vote, and then there's a you know a group of former players uh, who also uh, have a vote uh, in in terms of determining the winner of the uh, Walter Payton Men of the Year award from those thirty-two guys who are nominees.
0: Matt Vargo from Las Vegas, Nevada. When it comes to future contracts, are the Steelers limited to who can be signed? For example, why wasn't Eric Rowe signed to one?
1: Okay, um, you know, you say why wasn't Eric Rowe signed to a futures contract? Um, you need to understand first that players—you can't just say to a guy, "Sign this." You know, he has to—he has to agree. Um, <laughs> now, that's first. Uh, futures contracts usually are for guys with little NFL experience and little to no ability to move freely from one team to another on the open market. And usually futures contracts are for uh, the minimum salary for players of their level of experience. So, you know, Eric Rowe is a different kind of guy. Um, He's a nine-year veteran. He's going to be 32 in October. He can become an unrestricted free agent on March 13th. And as I mentioned, usually the guys who sign futures contracts can't do that. So, you know, Eric Rowe, maybe he wants to see what's available to him, other teams, um, before making up his mind where he wants to play in 2024. And as I said, he's going to be 32. Maybe Eric Rowe doesn't want to play in 2024. I don't know. But, you know, Eric Rowe uh, very well may end up back with the Steelers but him signing a futures contract immediately after the season wouldn't have made a lot of sense for a player with his experience and his ability <clears throat> Excuse me to market his services.
0: And our final question today comes from Drew, Drew Bob Anderson from Talladega, Alabama. As Mitch Trubisky leaves us, I was reading again that he was brought to Pittsburgh because of a good showing as a backup in Buffalo for Josh Allen. I finally looked up his statistics for that Buffalo year, and they were certainly underwhelming. Was there something in particular that the Steelers saw and liked in Trubisky's six appearances with the Bills as a backup?
1: Uh, the famous uh, "I was reading" or "I heard," um, I, you know. A little again, birdie I, told I, I me that's Cope, I, which is which is remember that that was that was always Cope. When Full he, circle when he had yeah when he comes uh, when he would come up with you know some news item or <laughs> you know some prediction or something he would always and he always had a um. Sound effect, you know, of a <laughs> as any great
0: tweet. radio host would,
1: <laughs> right? Um, but anyway, uh, so okay, I don't know who wrote what uh Drew Bob read, um, or what what even he he wrote. So, uh, you know, my I will I, I will use this word very loosely research, um, to this in uh, this case. Uh, that it was not Mitch Trubisky's time as a backup, the, the primary reason the, sign, the Steelers originally signed him as an unrestricted free agent. It wasn't the reason that they gave him the first crack at running with the first team, starting with OTAs, after signing him as an unrestricted free agent. And then Trubisky's performance uh, was good enough that he didn't lose that spot and ended up opening the season as the starter. OK, you know, much more uh, of a contributing factor was Trubisky was 29 and 21 uh, as an NFL starting quarterback, Uh, uh, you know, his one loss record. Um, And during those 50 starts, he completed 64 percent, 64 touchdowns, 37 interceptions and a rating of 87.2. He was voted to the Pro Bowl in 2018. He took the Bears to the playoffs twice. Um, And, you know, the other thing that was a a factor was that Mitch Trubisky had experience as being um, the franchise quarterback designation. You know, he knew, you know, what it's like to deal with the fans in that role, the media in that role, how he had to conduct himself. In terms of his business in that role, showing up every day for practice, staying late, watching video, interacting with his teammates, all that kind of stuff. He had experience in that job, in that role, and that was far more important or significant when the Steelers were considering uh, who to sign and then what to do with who they signed than you know six games as a backup for the Bills.
0: Well, Labs, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I want you to get in front of the TV, in front of NFL Network right now so you can watch the Combine. You've already missed a little bit of it, and I'm sorry for that.
1: Okay, well, apology accepted.
0: (laughs) Combine's on all week. If that floats your boat, you want to watch the Underwear Olympics, feel free to. Like I said, SNR's got great coverage all week long as well. Uh, starting at 9 a.m. and going up until 4 p.m. every single day while the crew is out there in Indianapolis. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Offerman. Get your questions into labs now, and maybe you'll hear them on a future episode of Asked and Answered.